Well, it's already yellow season outside, so you might notice <clears throat> that my voice is about gone. The uh, good thing for you is I've already preached three other times, so you may get the shorter version. <laughs> but it is a privilege to be here to join together and worship. Our scripture will come from Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. And while you're turning, I want to share with you that I've had the privilege over the last couple of days to be with our building brothers on their trip to St. John's Island or John's Island, which is just below Charleston area. They're doing a habitat build there. And so uh, Thursday they went down and Thursday afternoon I joined them first thing Friday morning. And so when the team arrived to build this habitat house, the only thing that was there was just the foundation and the floor. By the time we finished up last night, we had all the exterior walls, all the interior walls, the sheeting around the entire place, the frame uh, and the, the, the supports coming out for the front porch, and so much had been done to provide a home for a family that is less fortunate than we are. It was a privilege to join together with. It was 21 different guys that were there working so hard in the morning through the afternoon. And, and then in the evening, we would circle up and have a time of sharing and a time of fellowship together after dinner. And, and what a privilege to be a part of a church that takes so seriously being the part of loving your neighbor, that people would be willing to leave and leave their families for the weekend, their worshiping there today at a, a local church and we'll be heading back in just a little while but to be a part of, of helping to build and make sure that other people have shelter over their head just like we have shelter over ours so we praise God for that team and pray their safe return Daniel chapter 4 will begin at verse 28 All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king said, Is this not magnificent Babylon, which I have built as a royal capital by my mighty power and for my glorious majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar. To you it is declared, the kingdom has departed from you. You will be driven away from human society, and your dwelling shall be with the animals of the field. You will be made to eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you have learned that the Most High has sovereignty over the kingdom of mortals and gives it to whom he will. Immediately, the sentence was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven away from human society, a grass like the oxen, and his body was bathed with the dew of heaven until his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails became like bird's claws. When that period was over, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. I blessed the Most High and praised and honored the one who lives forever. 
For his sovereignty is an everlasting sovereignty, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does what he wills with the host of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can stay his hand or say to him, What are you doing? At that time, my reason returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. My counselors and my lords sought me out. I was reestablished over my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are truth. And his ways are justice, and he is able to bring low those who walk in pride. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There are some people for whom it just takes a little extra effort to get them to learn something. I mean, some people catch on to things pretty quickly. But there are other people that just seem to be a little slow on learning the lessons. Nebuchadnezzar seems to be one of those people that's a little bit slow on learning about who is really God. And who is really the king of kings? Babylon had become a mighty empire during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. As a matter of fact, Babylon had come in and conquered Israel and conquered Judah, conquered the city of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, took the people of Israel, the people of God, spread them out in exile, and destroyed the temple, taking away a a handful of young men, in particular, that would be groomed and trained to serve the king's court. Daniel, Daniel was one of those guys. King Nebuchadnezzar, though, had a, a sleeping issue, you might say. He just tended to have some bad dreams, nightmares. Chapter 2, he has one such dream, and, and so... All of a sudden, the king, as he wakes up, he, he is so disturbed that he, he calls together all the magicians from all across his great kingdom. Tell me about my dream. Tell me what it means. Couldn't do it. He pulls together the enchanters. Tell me about my dream. Tell me what it means. Couldn't do it. Then someone said, well, one of the one of the young Jews that you brought out of captivity, a young Jew by the name of Daniel. Daniel has the ability to interpret visions and dreams. And so the king had Daniel to come forward. Daniel was able to name the name and name the dream and the interpretation of the dream. And, and then you hear these words from the king that gives you some hope that he might be converted, give you some hope that he might recognize that that the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the true God. The king says in Daniel 2, 47, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings. 
Ah, maybe that works. Well, not so fast. We turn over to chapter 3. Chapter 3 of Daniel, we looked at last week as we continue our series of being faithful in an unfaithful world. And, and you might remember that, that the king built this 90-foot high statue, 90 feet, and, and passed an order. When you hear the music play, when you hear the sound of the musical ensemble, you're to bow down and worship my statue. Well, the Jews couldn't do that. And in particular, there were three, like Daniel, that were taken to be part of the king's court. The three, like three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who absolutely refused to bow down and worship this idol. Why? When the Ten Commandments of Moses, the commandments that God had given, the very first commandment, no other gods. Second commandment, you'll worship no idols. We can't do it. Well, some of the people of Babylon saw what was going on. They were already furious that some of these young Jews were given place in the king's court. So they come to the king and they go, Oh, king, when you built that statue, did you not say that with the sound of the music, everyone was to bow down and worship, and if they didn't, they'd be thrown into a fiery furnace? Yes, that's what I said. Well, we hate to tell you, O king, but there are some Jews that are here that they're not listening to you. They're not worshiping your gods. They're not bowing down to worship your idol when the music plays. They're your statue. So King Nebuchadnezzar has them brought forth. And Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, is this true? Is it true? Is it true that when you hear the music play that, that you're refusing to bow down and, and, and worship my statue? And, and they said, oh, yes, King, we, we can't do that. I mean, the first commandment is that we, we worship no other gods. and We can't worship an idol. And the king said, if you don't, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And they said, you know, if God delivers us, great. But if he doesn't, we are not. We are not going to worship. And the king says, well, let's just see what God can deliver you from my hand. And he's so angry that he has the furnace heated up seven times hotter than normal. Throws Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there. The furnace is so hot that, that it kills the guys who throw them in. And, and then the king looks in and he's, he's confused. Didn't we throw three people in there? Wasn't it three? I mean, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Just three. Yes, old king, that's right, just three. Well, I see four. And the fourth one has the appearances of a son of God. And he opens the door and he calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to come out. Now listen to what he said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God. Ah, he's going to get it now. He's going to finally get it. And, and they come out and, and, and they realize that that their clothes are not burned, their hair is not singed, they don't even have the smell of smoke. And, and Nebuchadnezzar says in chapter 3, verse 28, Blessed is the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and delivered his servants who trusted in him. Ah, now he's got it. And we look at the beginning of chapter 4, verse 1, it seems that Nebuchadnezzar has fully understood. King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, 
nations and languages that live throughout the earth, may you have abundant prosperity. The signs and wonders of the Most High God has worked for me. I am pleased to recount how great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is everlasting kingdom. His sovereignty is from generation to generation. Ah, great King Nebuchadnezzar, the great king of the evil empire Babylon, has now experienced who the true God is. Maybe things will be different, but there is a warning. King Nebuchadnezzar goes to sleep again. It's not good for him. When he goes to sleep, he just doesn't sleep so well. He has all kinds of dreams, nightmares, has another dream. It confuses him royally, no pun intended. And so all of a sudden, the the king, as he wakes up, he's confused, and he calls all the magicians together once again. Tell me about my dream. Tell me what it means. Nobody could tell him. Calls the enchanters. Tell me about my dream. Tell me what it means. Nobody could tell him. Daniel then. Remember Daniel. Daniel's brought back in to interpret for the king. The king tells him the dream. Daniel... This is my dream. I saw this tree, huge tree, in the middle of the world. It it, it went up and it it was so tall and, and its limbs were so wide that it provided shade for all the animals. Its foliage was, was so immense and, and the fruit that it produced fed the entire land. But Daniel, I, I heard a voice, and the voice said, Cut it down, cut it down. So the tree was to be cut down, but save the stump. Don't tear out the stump. Save the stump. And this was to be done until all the people of earth would recognize that the Most High God is the one that's sovereign. Daniel, what does this mean? You know, there are some people who will ask you a question that they really do not want to hear the answer to. What does this mean? You don't want to know. No, tell me. No, seriously, you don't want to know. Now, I really need you to tell me. You do not want me to tell you. And so Daniel is nervous because he knows this is not going to be popular for the king. And the king said, Daniel, you just need to tell me and, and I will not bring any harm to you. So Daniel says, all right. Here's the deal. The tree in the middle of the earth, the tree that reached up so high with the limbs so broad and the foliage so great that it shaded the kingdom and all the animals could come and rest under its shade and the fruit produced would feed the land. That's you, old king. That's you. It's, it's you. You have become great. The Babylonian Empire has become so immense And you're living in prosperity. That's you. But it was an angel of God who called out to cut it down. Why? Because the Most High God has realized that that this is going to get to you. And so you're going to be banished from your kingdom. And and you're going to be sent out to live with the wild animals. and, And to eat what the wild animals eat. Until you come to realize that only the most high God has sovereignty. The stump shall be spared because there's still hope that you will someday be restored. 
you would think that that's all it took. Man. I mean, he's already seen Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego delivered miraculously. Daniel's been able to interpret him before. This is a message from God. Not going to mess with God. Twelve months later. Just twelve months later. Isn't it amazing how we can have an encounter with God? We give ourselves to God. We recognize who God is. But then we have short-term memory issues. What have you done for me lately? And we're tempted to forget about God and turn it to ourselves. So King Nebuchadnezzar one day walks out on his roof, the roof of the palace overlooking the kingdom, and he goes, wow, this is awesome. Just, just look at what I've done. Just look at this royal city. Look at this land that, that I have built with my power and for my majesty. And about that time, God said, told you. I warned you. I warned you. Told you. We're told that while the words were still on the king's mouth, that all of a sudden God declared, you are now banished. You're losing your kingdom. You're going to go out and live with the wild animals. You'll eat what they eat. And, and all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar is banished away to the point that his hair becomes long, his nails grow out and look like eagle's claws. And, and that's to occur when? Until you remember that the Most High God is sovereign. And they were told in verse 34, that King Nebuchadnezzar lifted his eyes to heaven and said, my reason returned to me. I, lo I love that phrase. It's a phrase of repentance, like when the prodigal sons came to himself. My reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored the one who lives forever for his sovereignty is an everlasting sovereignty and his his kingdom endures from generation to generation. In verse 37, he says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol the, the king of heaven, for all his works are truth, and his ways are justice, and he is able to bring low all those who work, who walk, rather, with pride. When you read this story, it's obviously a battle between two kings. The king of kings and the king of the incredible, powerful Babylonian empire. But which king is sovereign? Sovereignty versus sovereignty. The king of kings versus the mighty king of Babylon. Which, which one's going to win? Which one is really God? See, we can't just blame Nebuchadnezzar. There's been a battle from the beginning between all of us with God on, on who's going to be number one, who's going to be the great one, who's the one to be praised. And for many of us, it's, it's us. I mean, we see it in Genesis. The beginning of Genesis, God creates the world, and it's so good. He creates Adam and Eve 
places them in the Garden of Eden. They have everything they could possibly want. God says, now, there's one tree in the middle. Don't eat of it, but anything else is yours. And God walked regularly through the garden, fellowshiped with them. I mean, it was paradise. But one day, the serpent came slithering through. And catch what he says. I notice you're eating of all the trees except that one. Why are you not eating that one? Well, God said if we eat of it, we'll die. And Satan goes, you won't die. I'm going to let you in on a secret. God knows. If you eat of that tree in the middle of the garden, you'll be just like him. And God doesn't want you to be like him. See, that's the temptation. It wasn't that, well, doesn't that fruit look better than that fruit? I mean, doesn't that, don't you think that would taste better than that taste? Now, the temptation, you'll be like God. And Adam and Eve got to looking at it and realized, and that would be awesome. Reinhold Niebuhr says that the original sin is self-interest. And if we're not careful, self-centeredness, self-interest, our ego, our narcissism, it becomes part of who we are. As a matter of fact, there, there are some people, my, well, I was talking to my brother one day and he was, he was telling me about one of his friends and he goes, now you know him, right? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, you know, it's his world and we just have the privilege of living in it. How many people do you know like that? It's their world. You just have the privilege of living in it. Or even worse, how many of you may, may be the one who is the center of the world and everybody else just has the privilege of living in it? Proverbs gives us so many scriptures. Proverbs sixteen eighteen: Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs sixteen five. All those who are arrogant are an abomination to the Lord. So be assured they will not go unpunished. Proverbs 29, 23. A person's pride will bring humiliation. But the one who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Deuteronomy eight fourteen. Do not exalt yourself for getting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then verse 18 but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors as he's doing today. Jesus tells a story in Luke 18. There were two people one day who came into the temple to pray. One of them was a Pharisee. Pharisee was a great religious leader, a great religious person who had vowed to set themselves apart for God, to dot every I cross every T, to follow the law to the end. He comes in, tax collector comes in at the same time. Tax collector, not a popular guy. As a matter of fact, Nancy said just the other day to me, we need to work on our taxes. Not a popular guy. <laughs> but it was even worse in biblical times because the tax collector was collecting for the oppressive Roman government that was occupying Israel at the time. And 
The tax collector was known to cheat. The Roman government didn't care how much a tax collector charged as long as they got their due. And tax collectors would often charge double or whatever the percentage might be so that they could skim off the top. They were despised by most to come into the temple to pray. And the Pharisee stands up and he prays like this. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. And God, I'm especially thankful that I'm not like that guy. The tax collector won't even look up toward heaven, but beats on his chest and says, God, I know who I am. God, be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, I'll tell you, that's the one that went home justified. There is a temptation inside of all of us if we're not careful to exalt ourselves. And Jesus said, all who exalt themselves will be humbled. For those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, does this mean that you can't have any sense of pride whatsoever? That's not what it means at all. I mean, we, many of us are proud of our kids. We're proud of our families. We're, we're proud of our grandkids. Some of you that have grandchildren, I, I've learned not to ask, do you have a picture? Because <laughs> you're going to pull out the whole roll. And, and now that we have smartphones, it's like, look at this. And, and, and here's another one. And, here's an, and did you see this one here? And then there's another one. So this is when they're one day old, two days old, three days old, four days old, five days old. Is that you? Yeah. So it's okay that there's a sense of some pride. But when our pride becomes arrogance, self-centeredness, self-interest, where it becomes our world and everyone else is just privileged to live inside of it. That we have crossed over into idolatry. We would never voluntarily bow down and worship a 90-foot statue. But we often, without realizing it, are bowing down and worshiping ourselves on a regular basis. King Nebuchadnezzar, even though he, he knew the truth, just like we know the truth, still just 12 months later, just one year later, steps out on the rooftop and goes, I am awesome. Look at what I have done with my power for my majesty. And God humbles him. One of the things that humbles me is coming to this table. Because when I come to this table, I realize pretty quickly there's absolutely nothing I did to deserve this. We come to this table not because we are great, but because just like the sinner, the tax collector, we acknowledge, I know who I am. There's something about coming before this table when the body and blood of Christ is placed in our hands that it removes the pretense 
I can't fake it anymore. I know who I am. And I need your grace. I love when Nebuchadnezzar says, my reason returned to me, and I began to praise God. May our reason return to us. And may we praise God and God alone. To God be the glory. It's why we sang just a few moments ago, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Will you pray with me? God, we ask that you would just humble our spirits because we are tempted just like Adam and Eve to make it about us. Go ahead and eat. You'll be just like God. And God, that's a temptation that is difficult to overcome. God, we ask that you would help us to examine our lives. And may our reason return to us so that we will worship you and you alone. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Our great Thanksgiving is found on page 13. It will also be on the slides in front of you.